This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. With more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs, IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dwojek here with the record North Shore founding member, Joe Coughlin, as we get you caught up on another week of North Shore High School sports. Uh, just a quick refi- reminder before we get things started here that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you like us, review us, and spread the word. As always, we always appreciate your listens as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, what have you. Make sure you look us up. All right, we're going to do our weekly four-quarter format. First quarter, we are going to recap big wins for both Loyola and Nutrier. In the second quarter, we are joined by Nutrier football player Jack Cummings. In the third quarter, we play Way or Nowhere, weekly guessing game. And then the fourth quarter, we recap some championship golf happening in our area before we preview week seven of football coming up. Only a few more weeks of the regular season left as we are in October. So why don't we uh, get ready by recapping what happened in week six? And uh, when we talked about Loyola last week, we talked about Marist being kind of a, a thorn in their side for the past, I don't know, five or four years at this point. And um, with the homecoming game, Loyola managed to uh, really uh, just – Control Marist with the 33-21 to 21 win um, and involved an impressive uh, performance from uh, Jake Sterney. I don't know if he listened to the podcast or not about uh, stepping up to the moment, but mm-hmm. um, he did. There was some trickeration as well from the Ramblers as well. So, um, Joe, just a, a complete game from the Ramblers and a big game from Jake Sterney, who racked up 356 yards of total offense. Yeah, we talked about it, you know, um, well, most of the – most of the season here on this podcast, but specifically when Marco Maldonado went down um, with his shoulder injury that, you know, Sterney's going to have to pick up some of that running attack, if not a lot of it. And um, in the second game without Maldonado, he certainly did um, a lot of carries. I think he was over 150 yards rushing um, a lot of big holes that that offensive line creates. And you just need to, uh, you know, um, see him be patient and, and fly through him. And Sterney has the capabilities and he did it. Um, I think they, outside of him, I think they had a multifaceted running attack. I think Regan got in a little bit, even with his knee injury. I think they used uh, Kane, Kane Riggs and um, a sophomore too, got in there. Knee machine, knee machine um, got in there as well. So uh, they were seeing what works and, and they, they controlled the game and the pace it looked like. Um, I was, I was out of town this weekend, but, um, read Neil's story and it looked like they were in control. Let's talk about Jake. I mean, just what he was able to do, um, just amassing so much yardage and really showing us that he can do it. I mean, both running and throwing, I mean, he, um, rushed 14 times for 150 yards. He passed, uh, completed 22 of 36 passes for 202 yards. I mean, he really just showed that he was, um, able to really, run the offense and especially for his 
um, you know, being a junior quarterback, getting some attention from colleges. I mean, being able to show that you can run the ball and you can pass it for over 200 yards, um, that's an impressive feat and an impressive um, thing that the Ramblers um, haven't had for a little bit. Not that they haven't had good quarterbacking, but just you have it at this high level. Yeah, and that's a that's a ton of um, I guess you could say you know possessions. It's hard to say touches for a quarterback because he touches it every play, um, right? You know, but but takes for the quarterback thirty six uh, throws as well as fifteen carries, and some of those were designed and some of them were scrambles. But um, that's a lot of weight of the offense on a junior quarterback for the number one team in the state, um, in the biggest class in the state. So um, I think colleges certainly look to that and how much um, he is carrying the offense and in charge of the offense and leading it um, and decision-making as well. Uh, that all goes into it. Um, and he's, he's making the throws, um, you know, to uh, out of the backfield as well as to his receivers and tight ends. And he's making the runs when he has to, and he shows that he's, he can pick it up. So I, I think these are all attributes that colleges would be very happy to see um, and that are unique at the high school level. Yeah. And a little bit toward the end, Loyola uh, held on to a 26 to 21 lead with 746 left in the game. Um, a little bit of um, giving the ball back and forward between Loyola and Maristore at the end. Um, but an interesting situation where um, Coach Halasek and the Ramblers decided to um, go for a fake and um, score a touchdown on fourth down instead of kicking the field goal. Um, just what did you think about that play? And I mean, obviously how important was that play? Um, just kind of setting the tone toward the end of the game. Yeah. I liked how's uh, talking about it saying that um, I think there was 26, 21, right? So a field goal would have been 29, 21. They still would have needed to go the length of the field plus um, a two point conversion. If they score, the game's over. So he didn't see much of a risk. Um, I would argue you don't see much of a risk in kicking it, but Hey, uh, <laughs> I get it. Um, you put the game away. If you, if you're confident in your play, it was just, it was funny that I, I think I saw, I forgot who said it, whether it was um, the holder or, um, or Baker said that it, they only practiced it like once the day before. Uh, right. So, uh, but it, I mean, it looked good on tape. Um, you know, watching it, it looked fluid. It looked like, uh, whether they saw what they saw or they just got the perfect defense for that call, um, and, and, and happily ran it in. So, um, I think that's the type of coach and program Loyola is they don't shy away from taking their shot. We've seen them a number of times go for it on fourth down, um, whether in their own territory or, you know, when a field goal is more than reasonable in the situation um, to go for it. And they've had good field goal kickers, Baker, and before that, Ben Zelst. And um, they want to put the game away. They want to put points on the board um, to ensure the victory. And uh, they, they like that risk taking. And I think, uh, you know, it's proven. It, the, the, the proof is in the pudding. It's, it's, it's made more sense than not as you, you go forward. So uh, they keep doing it and um, successful once again. Defensively, I mean, this team was um, obviously gave up 21 points, but um, if I'm reading this correctly, I mean, just giving up negative two total in 21 rushing yard attempts. I mean, that is just a, I mean, then Neil wrote in a story about uh, Brooks Barr and seniors Graham McCabe and Michael Williams and a couple linebackers and James Cruz and Jim, James uh, McCabe and uh, Jamie McCabe. 
um, just uh, that defensive unit, um, just really able to uh, kind of keep things tight. And that's kind of what we've seen recently, um, even though there were a few late game situations recently for the, for the Ramblers where um, they made it a little bit closer than we expected it to be. Yeah, I think that defense is, is coming around. The pressure is becoming more consistent, um, which is going to be big. You know, the running game, you know, you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to run on Loyola, you know, ever. You know, even they gave up all those points to um, – not all those points. Um, yeah, all those points, 43 to Brother Rice, mostly through the air and through scrambles. Um, just standard, you know – uh, eye formation, not that they do that, but you know what I mean? Classic running, yeah. additional running. You're not going to be able to do it on Loyola. So we know that, but they are successful passing game a little bit, but we knew Marist. I mean, what are you going to do? Marist is one of the best, uh, most talented teams on the offensive end. They put up 21. Um, I think we both predicted around that might happen. You might've said two touchdowns, but either way we knew they'd score. So um, I don't think anything to hang their head on. I think they, they had a, a turnover or two and the sacks. So, um, in good shape for Loyola's defense, I think, moving forward. So with the win, Loyola earned a share of the CCL uh, Blue Division, and obviously that'll come down, most likely will come between uh, Loyola and Mount Carmel playing in the final week of the regular season. Um, obviously, this team, 6-0, and um, win, has a winning streak of 12 straight games going back to last spring. Um, just what have you know, learned about this Loyola team, and is this team clearly the number one team in both a day and maybe even the best team in the whole state of Illinois. Uh, Yes. I mean, somebody has to knock them off first. Um, But with Marco, I think it was pretty clear that they were uh, the number one team and maybe in like a a dominant unprecedented fashion um, this season without him. I think it's more of maybe a struggle and that's not to knock anything that they got going for them. They're still, I think the best team in the state, but um, I think they have more competition now um, without Marco, who's, who's, you know, proving, who has proven himself to be a once in a um, once in a great wild type of back for them. So um, I think they have, I think they're up there number one, but I think the gap is narrow um, between the, two, three, four guys um, that they're going to face off with in a day. All right, let's move on over now to Nutrier, who got a big win as they try to qualify for the postseason and their little push. They faced off against GBN on Friday on homecoming and finished with a 63-7 to win over the Spartans. Um, Jack Cummings scored five touchdowns for Nutrier as they rolled past the Spartans. And um, we talked about, obviously, this game being a must-win and um, it was very clear that uh, we knew that the offense was going to respond well in this game. It was just really up to how the defense was going to respond well. And even if the defense had a so-so game, when you put up, put up 63 points, um, you're not really going to lose any of those times when you put, put up that many points. You hope not. Yeah, you hope not. Um, but, uh, I, you know, they exercised their demons is what it looked like. They just got it all out of their system. I know you could tell um, – you know, from, from body language and, and of course, you know, some of the things coaches and players were saying, they were frustrated that they weren't able to get every, all their ducks in a row and really play. They feel they can play better. I think they knew that for a few weeks, even the, the wins against uh, Conant um, started with the loss against Barrington, but the win against Conant was closer than they wanted or they, they thought it would be. So, um, and then of course um, the loss to Evanston first time in 10 years, they weren't happy about that. 
So I think they bounce back. Um, they got to shrug that weight off their shoulders a little bit um, and maybe got back to themselves, you know, five rushing scores from Cummings. I think um, uh, McCary had a couple as well. So uh, they really got, I think they got the turnover going again, the turnover, their turnover game um, with at least a fumble. So a lot of things went right for them. They put a lot of, they put new people in on the defensive end. I saw them talk about that. Uh, again, I wasn't there. Uh, I can't go into great detail about who that is and why that might work going forward. Um, I'll give you a report after Friday night um, uh, when they have GVS, but um, it's, that's a big game for them. I think that's a big step, you know, 63 points division opponent who, who can't, you know, who's not, you know, it's a big school, you know, it's a good program. They've proven they can, they can win games um, in this conference. So um, it's, it's nice to do and um, get back on the winning track in a way like that could really do some things down the stretch for them. Who knows? Because their two toughest games are coming up right now um, to the next three. Um, so we'll know a lot more after Friday night. What do you, I mean, obviously you mentioned GBN and obviously it being a big school, but um, let's talk about this defense and obviously getting everything right. And um, how much do you feel like you can take from a game like this? I mean, obviously when you just limit a team to um, seven points, um, that's always something to look forward to, but can you take a lot from a game like this with a down GBN team? Or do you feel like, Hey, anything that you can get at this point heading into a big matchup against GBS that's worth taking? Yeah, I think, I think that's the key. Um, I don't know after a certain point in this game, I believe they went up 21, nothing real quick. And I think they were up uh, 49, nothing by halftime. So that sort of burst from, from one team's offense is going to change the other team's offense because they've got to change what they want to do and come up with some new scheme to try to get back in the game. And, and obviously that didn't work for GBN. So you kind of take, the first few drives before you got them out of your game. And, and, you know, if you're a coaching staff, look what went right there. Um, look what plays were made in the back half of the game. Um, but yeah, so you you can definitely take pieces. Um, and I mean, as a whole though, I don't think you can look at the whole game and say, we kept GB on the seven. You were up so big early. They had to change, like they had to adapt and it's not um, the same game plan for, for the whole game or their best game plan, I should say. So um, but there's definitely pieces you could take, you know, from a 63 to seven victory on the defensive end and they had new pieces in there. So uh, I'm sure they're, they're happy with how that looked. All right. We'll hear now from uh, Jack Cummings here as we move on over to the second quarter, hear a little bit from him about a very impressive uh, performance where he scored five touchdowns in the first half, a big win against uh, GBN and just what it means as they look forward to playing GBS next week. Tell me a little bit about what this week of practice was like for you guys. Probably a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth after um, collectively, not just you. I mean, there after last week with what happened at Evanston, this practice this week, was there a little bit of extra motivation, a little bit of extra sense of urgency coming into tonight? Oh, 100%. Last, last week after the loss to Evanston, um, we kind of played with a chip on our shoulder all, all through practice this week. Um, we felt like we played a bad game all around offense, defense, and special teams last week so we know if we were going to make the playoffs the road starts right now and we gotta we gotta work back hard every single day of practice every single game we got to play our best game moving forward um and that's what we did tonight five touchdowns tonight jack obviously i know probably the team win means a lot more to you than that yeah. but just tell me a little bit about what five touchdowns 
means to you. Obviously, last year, I remember when we talked, you uh, you mentioned that you didn't think you would be the guy who would catch the big touchdown pass, and this year you've been one of the leaders on offense. So what does a night like this mean for you? Um, it, was, it was a really big game for me. Uh, obviously, I couldn't have done it without my O-line making those big holes for me. I mean, you can drive a semi-truck through some of those holes. <laughs> um, also, the defense hitting those quick three and outs, I couldn't have. We, our offense needs to get the ball back. We want to put points on the board, and that's what they did. Um, obviously, I broke a few tackles, made a few players miss, but um, really it was my teammates who supported me through those five touchdowns. Yeah, and does it make it a little bit more uh, special, Jack, that it comes on a night like this, homecoming, huge crowd. Um, you know, I don't need to tell you this, everything that not only you but your class has been through the past two years with the pandemic, does it make it even feel a little bit more special because of just this moment with, you know, everyone back here, um, it definitely homecoming. Makes it, yeah, <laughs> uh, it definitely makes it a lot easier to remember. Um, <laughs> like in 30 years from now, I can look back and say my senior year homecoming game, I scored five touchdowns. And there was people in the stands. Um, there, was, there was tons of people in the stands, ton of energy on the sidelines. Um, it was just a great atmosphere. Uh, definitely remember it for probably the rest of my life. It was a really, really exciting night. Next week, GBS, I'm sure you guys know, tall task ahead, um, playing well. What's going to be, Jack, as one of the leaders, the message to some of the younger guys, even to some of your, your fellow seniors as you go into Glenview next week on the road for what seems to be a really tough GBS team? I think we just need to keep the ball rolling, keep the same chip on our shoulder that we played with this week in practice and this week in the game. Um, obviously, we know their offense can put up points, their defense mm-hmm. is solid. Um, Will Collins, he's, he's one of my <laughs> one of my. I mean, I know I heard Coach Dahl talking about him, but he's yeah. one. I wrestled with him in middle school. He was my practice partner. So you know how day. to bring him down. Oh yeah. 100%. <laughs> so uh, we'll have some little friendly banter there, but really, we just need to shut their offense down. Our defense played great tonight. We need to keep that turnovers going, keep mm-hmm. those three and outs going, and I have no worries about our offense being able to score the ball. And how important is the run defense going to be next week, Jack? Obviously, it's a huge deal every week, but with the running game that GBS has featured so far this year and um, you know, with some of the times that you guys have maybe struggled a little bit with stopping teams that have some good running attacks, how pivotal is it going to be next week to, to limit that part of GBS's offense? Uh, well, their offense is one of the more interesting schemes we face this year. It's kind of similar to Conant, and obviously we didn't. our defense did not do well against that scheme. So we're going to implore our defense to watch a lot of film on GBS, um, focus and practice every day, pay attention, know all the audibles, um, and then just do your job is really the big message to everyone. Be disciplined in your tackles. Don't get greedy for yards. If you're supposed to be on number 44, Berta, don't go chasing after Will Collins down the field. Thanks so much for joining us, Jack. And thank you as always to all the players and coaches joining us every single week. Always appreciate everybody's input and insight. All right. We are halfway through the podcast. So let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area. So make sure you check them out. Move better and live better. All right, we are going to play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game here in the third quarter, where I throw out five propositions and Joe and I debate whether way it could happen, no way it cannot happen. 
All right, we're going to start off with boys soccer here as the Loyola Academy boys soccer team, as of recording this on Wednesday, is in third place in the CCL Blue Division with eight points behind Marmion and Mount Carmel, both who have nine points. Loyola with the record of 2-0-2 and Marmion and Mount Carmel, each with the record of 3-1. So way or no way, Joe, that Loyola can win conference here as we head down to the final stretch. Yeah, I think way. Um, I think they have, um, you know, I have to look at their remaining schedule, but they're just a point behind. They got a couple ties. I believe they tied Marmion. Um, so I just think they need, you know, a couple more wins and, you know, they stay, they keep that clean lot, that loss column clean. And uh, I think they're in good shape. I think they're still um, the favorites going forward here. Yeah, I think they're still the favorites, too. Obviously, a very dominating team, but it should be a really interesting final week as we are wrapping up conference play here the last couple of weeks to start postseason play pretty soon. All right, way or no way, Joe Nutria Boys Soccer obviously has already won the CSL South and will play Niles North for the pseudo CSL Conference Championship. Way or no way that the Nutria Boys Soccer team wins that matchup against Niles North for the overall conference crown? Um. I'm going to say way. I think, I think they're looking good right now. I think uh, that offense is running hot and it's running hot with Matt Perchek and um, Evan Canellos at the top there. I think Perchek's probably got about six goals in his past five or six games or so, uh, including a hat trick. Um, so I think they're in good shape. I think uh, they'll win that one. Yeah, I think I agree with you also um, there. I think, uh, um, now is North surprisingly, obviously a team we usually have a uh, Deerfield or one of the, um, other stronger schools, but obviously the CSL is a very, uh, strong soccer division as well. But yeah, I think I agree, uh, way Nutria boys soccer will win the overall conference. All right. The Loyola Academy girls, uh, volleyball team dropped a matchup against Montini Catholic last night, uh, way or no way that we should be concerned about Loyola Academy girls volleyball heading into the final stretch here. Did they? They lost to, uh, sorry, to, I'm sorry, did you say uh, Montini? Yeah, I think so. Um, That's what uh, Max Prep said. Okay. Yeah, on Monday they beat Lake Forest. They must have lost. You know, usually Coach emails me scores. Maybe she didn't last night um, <laughs> after after a tough loss. But um that's a bit surprising for them um, to get their, I think that's their second loss in conference, uh, moving them to about 21 or 20 and five. Um, we thought yeah, they 21 and five. We thought they'd stay under that five um, mark, but um, it's a long season. Um, a lot of those teams in the GCAC can play, they bring it. Um, so um, I totally lost your question. Cause I was, I was enamored by that. Which, which way is the no way. Right. Way or no way that we should be concerned about Loyola Academy girls volleyball? Hmm, concerned. Um, no, no way. I, I think it's just um, what happens in a long season. They still got some time to put it together for the postseason, I believe a couple weeks um, before that regional begins. So you, you figure, I don't know if they have a tournament. They probably have a tournament weekend tournament. So we're talking five or seven matches before then. Um, let's get our ducks in a row and, and be ready to play. They're still going to, they're still going to get that one, two, three seed, um, and, and, you know, be the favorite in a regional. So, um, no way. 
Um, I'm going to fade you there. And I'm going to say I'm a little concerned right now about them. Um, obviously, Montini Catholic is 19 and one, obviously a very good team. Mother Macaulay is a very good team as well. Um, New Trier, obviously a very good team. Downers Grove North and Matea Valley. Those are all their losses so far this year. Um, and they're all obviously very good teams. So um, they're, they're not losing against bad teams, but I am a little concerned about them just putting it together and being able to keep, compete against strong teams. Obviously they beat in good teams as well, but um, I've been a lot, a long season like this will uh, have nights like uh, Tuesday where you lose against a conference uh, opponent like that. But um, I would say way I'm a little concerned. I'm not overly concerned. I'm not losing sleep over it, but um, yeah, I'm a little concerned. All right. The Nutrier girls golf team won another sectional on uh, Tuesday or was it Monday um, where no way, Joe, this team can win the whole thing as a team. Way, way. I'm, I'm, this is a great team. This is a uh, elite once in a long time um, type of team. Uh, they, they won the sectional by six strokes. They won the regional by something like 16. Um, and, you know, conference, they, they ran away with it too. So they're they're at a very high level. Um, there's other teams that are that are up there. I think I believe Hinsdale Central is one of them, and um, so it'll be a battle once you get to state. You know, you got two days. Um, you know, your best players need to put their best golf shoes on and um, and take care of business uh, over those two days. And and Nutria just has the steady play that I think can do it. I don't think their um, their floor is not is real high. Um, so. Um, I'm pretty confident in, in, a, in a trophy coming home at the very least. Yeah, I think I agree with you way there. They just have really dominant golfers. I mean, Amy Bean Blossom shot a 74. Um, sisters Peyton and Carter Sickle shot a 77 and 78 respectively. Ciara Patel shot an 82. All those scores put my scores to shame um, when I play over at um, Chick Evans. But yeah, I think uh, I think this team is very dominant and has a very, very solid chance of winning a state title there. And then final way or no way, we talked about golf, but way or no way that the North shore will have an individual golf champion this weekend. So that can be from Loyola or Nutria and both boys and girls as well. Ooh, good one. An individual champion. So difficult to do. Um, but sure, we'll have some fun. We'll say way. I think um, Amy Bean Blossom, you mentioned her for New Trier Girls, has a great shot um, at being up there till the end this weekend. I think um, Loyola Boys golfer uh, Ryan Bannis um, has a great shot of uh, being in the mix. And if you're in the mix, you know, whoever has a, a good a good stretch of holes there, um, a good stretch of low scores, a good stretch of golf can, can win it. I think he's capable of that. And with Nutria, I think you have a couple guys capable. I think you have Noah Zang, uh, Zang um, who is capable of it, and um, James Pryor as well. So you, you, we have a couple folks that are going to be in the running. Um, for North Shore Country Day boys playing in 1A, um, I know that they're a pretty solid team too. Um, I think they're going to be in the mix. I don't know if they have that elite golfer. They seem to all shoot around the same scores very consistently. But, um, but I think, yeah, I'll say we'll have one. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I think Amy, like you mentioned, is a favorite to win it. I think uh, some of the guys that you mentioned as well um, are uh, talented as well. So I think uh, 
yeah, there's a way there for sure that we might get an individual champion here um, from the North Shore area. All right, that is everything that we've got for way or no way. Let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where we will continue the golf conversation a little bit here where uh, um, obviously a lot of uh, teams, both Nutria boys and girls uh, team, won sectional crowns, um, really strong performances all around, Joe. Um, so I know we talked about it a little bit, but um, what's really just got you impressed from the golf sectionals, I guess, um, that we saw over uh, at the beginning of the week? Well, it was the boys for me, the Nutria boys. You know, Nutria and GBN have been going at it all year. I think they're the two best teams in the state, and they just happen to be about four miles from each other, if that. So uh, in the regional, I think um, GBN bested Nutria by one stroke, and here in the sectional, Nutria got them by two. Um, I think it was really close in other tournaments and in dual meets. So these are just two really, really talented teams. It just seems like Nutria's point. I think they were at 287 for the um, for the sectional with three guys under par, um, which is exceptional. Uh, it's just really exceptional. And another another guy, their fourth guy, shot even par 72. So um, they're just a really good team, um, and I think they're going to carry that over in the state. We're going to see something pretty special, a pretty special uh, do. Um, uh, showdown between those two and some other good teams in the state too. So um, the boys matchups a really interesting storyline for me between them and GBN. It's just really fun that it gets to go down right to the end um, for them too. So that's a cool story. Um, and then Ryan Bannis um, shooting a 67 at the sectional, which was the low score. Um, he, he lost for the champion for like the, the title he can't be named champion, but he was the co-medalist because he lost in the extra holes, but um, pretty cool stuff. He's a, he's a junior. Um, and the girls just keep, I, I guess it's not as exciting because it's been the whole season. Um, I don't want to take it for granted because it's a special, special year. Um, I, I've been trying to look up if they have lost. I think they did uh, come in second at one tournament early in the season to Hinsdale Central, but other than that, um, they've been pretty spotless. So um, that team's just really special. Yeah, I think that new, we talked about that new tier girls golf team. I mean, in July, when we were looking for stuff to talk about it, just about how dominant they were going to be. And they've lived up to that talk for much of the past few months. And um, it'll be really fun to see how they compete this weekend at state. Um, should expect a lot of, I haven't looked at what the weather is supposed to be like. I don't know if it'll be snowing like it did um, three or four years ago, but um, we should expect a good performance out of the Trevians when they head down to uh, compete in the state meet um, this weekend. So uh, for all the weekend uh, updates, make sure you check up with the record North Shore. They'll keep you updated on everything uh, that is going forward with those uh, championship uh, matches. But let's move on over now where we have both Loyola and Nutria playing this weekend in football. Why don't we start off with Nutria at GBS where um, Nutria got the win against GBN pretty quite handedly. Um, but now they face a very surprising but very good uh, GBS team. GBS lost its first game of the season last week when it lost to uh, Maine South. I think that was 32-17 to 17, um, win for Maine South against GBS. And um, one of the big names that comes to your mind when it comes to GBS is Will Collins, a really strong runner um, for the Titans. I mean, 
It, that seems to be the key to the game, doesn't it, Joe? How are you going to stop Will Collins in a GBS offense, um, yeah. especially for the new true defense um, that we know obviously limited GBN to seven points, but before that has really been struggling? Yes. Yeah, I think that is the key. Uh, you hit it on the head, Michael. I mean, they're, they do the, the three-back, um, um, three-headed monster lineup in the backfield led by Collins, and I think that, you know, with their big men up front, like they always have, always just, you know, really nice – um, movement on the line and then pushes on the line. It's going to be difficult for Nutria to handle. I just, you know, they remind me of Barrington in that way, except with a more versatile running attack. So um, um, I'm, I'm a little nervous about how that's going to look and how Nutria is going to face up, but they're going to see it coming. Um, so hopefully coaches have them well prepared for it and they're going to be able to stop it. But that is the key. I don't know if there's another one. I think Nutria will be able to, move the ball, not at will, um, but I think they're going to put together some sustained drives. I think they have the capability with that offense and that talent. It's just, can they get on the field enough times to do it? Can they get GBS off the field? Um, or will GBS just pound the ball and pound the clock? I don't know. That's the key. What do you, yeah, that offense. I mean, what do you think this offense can do against GBS? I mean, GBS, most points they've allowed is 32. They've allowed 14, 14, 21, 0, and 22 points. So 32 is the most that they've allowed. And obviously we've seen this new cheer team is really, really able to score when it's hitting its stride. Um, so, I mean, what do you think offensively that this team is going to be able to do? Because that really seems like that's they're going to need to score a lot of points if they plan on winning this game. Yeah, I think this offense is going to be okay. Um, I think this is probably the second best offense that GBS has faced. Um, behind Maine South and probably equal with Conant. Um, so I think Nutria's offense is actually a little bit bar- better than Barrington, but their defense was not, but that is just me. So anyway, um, so I think Nutria is going to be able to score. I, you know, just, I'm not talking in the thirties. I think it's probably, they're going to be able to score hopefully three times, actually, hopefully four. I think that's probably going to be their goal. You know, they, they get to four touchdowns and that's a winning football game for them or a good chance at a winning football game. Anything less than that, uh, you're starting to get really, you know, nervous territory because I don't know if Nutria is going to be able to stop them um, from from finding the, the end zone at least three times. So um, I think the new I think the offense will score. I, I do wonder if they focus a little more on the ground to take time off the clock, uh, or they really go to surprise them in the air because Nevin can do that, and then if not, pull it down um, as a dual threat. Um, I guess they have those options. Um, I wonder what we'll see on Friday night, but I think the offense will move the ball. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk more. We'll give you get a prediction out of you pretty soon. But it does seem now that uh, Maine's GBS has lost to Maine South. Um, it seems like Maine South will be controlling its own destiny moving forward. They have Niles West coming up, um, and then they play an Evanston team, which I guess Evanston. Now that we know that their players are playing, could be an interesting game. Yeah, I think. It will um, and then New Trier playing here. I mean, what are you expecting out of the CSL South? Where um, obviously you have some anti main South feelings, but yeah. how do you feel about main South here in the CSL South heading into the final three games of the year? Yeah. You know, I'm a little more, uh, man, um, a little confused by main South after this close one, but they did, they did pull it out in the end and score a couple more times against GBS to, 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 you know, bring it home. Um, but you got to put them in a top five team in the eight, a um, class, you know, they're up there. So um, that doesn't mean they're not beatable. I think Evanston, from what I've seen and, you know, what I've read on Evanston um, since they got Cheeks back, phew, they're a force, man. It's going to be tough. 
Um, we knew that going in, they, they, they started with some injuries and some people not playing. Now they're back. Um, I'm really looking forward to that matchup next week um, with, uh, with Maine South. So, um, so yeah, that, I think that's, I think those two are the favorites. I don't, I'm trying to think Maine South or uh, Evanston has not played GBS either. So. No, um, Evanston and Devere with GBN, Maine South and Glenbrook South. Yeah. So those are some good games. I think um, we'll see some, we'll see some fireworks this, this last stretch of CSL um, South action. All right. We'll be exciting to see what happens there. Let's move on over now to uh, Providence, Providence, Loyola Place Providence on Saturday at 1.30 and we'll met uh, Providence enters uh, the game with the three and three record. Obviously the Ramblers are six and zero in this game. What are you expecting out of it? Do you feel like this, what are you expecting, I guess, out of this game where um, you kind of have a Providence team that's kind of, well, obviously it's a uh, five and five or it's at 500 right now. Um, do you feel like the Ramblers should just control the pace in this game and just kind of continue to do what they do as they look forward to the final few weeks here? I do. Um, I don't see too much trouble here with, I'm sorry for all that, that noise. I don't see too much trouble here with the Celtics Celtics from my hometown of new Lenox, by the way, but I was a public school guy anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't see too much trouble. Just not, not a high year for Providence, which can put together some really good year. Like when they had, you know, NFL player, miles Boykin, um, on their team, they were, uh, one of the best in the state in six a, but not, not their year this year. Uh, if you didn't hear, they did hire a uh, assistant coach from Notre Dame to be their head coach um, going forward. So maybe we'll see more of that in the future, but not this year. Um, and I expect um, Loyal to, as you appropriately put it, really control this one from the outset. We, um, the past few weeks, I feel like I've been asking about Jake Sterney a lot, and that's kind of been the key of what Loyal has been able to do. And um, I'll ask again, I mean, is he just the key to the, all of this, not even like against Providence, but just like heading into the final few weeks against Mount Carmel and then in the postseason, is it essentially as Jake Sterney goes, Loyola goes offensively at this point? Yeah, I think so. Um, not just by the plays he makes, although he does make a lot of big plays, but by his decision-making, I think they put a lot of that on his shoulders as a quarterback. He sh it should be, uh, but they don't, to me, it doesn't seem like they pull anything off of him and, you know, um, they let him make a lot of the calls out there and, and he, he does so with whether it's a, you know, run pass option or things like that. And he, he's able to make him and, and make them successful decisions. So uh, I think it's appropriate to call, um, call it kind of his offense. Um, it's just how healthy is Mike Regan? Um, how much can they rely on Riggs and Nemesheim in the backfield if they want to going forward? Are they are they giving them tryouts for the rest of the year um, to see if they can put, put a lot of load on their shoulders? Um, you know, because if if Regan's knee is wobbly, obviously that's that's a concern as well. So um, it's appropriate to say I, I expect a big game out of out of kind of the whole offense. I think they're gonna they're gonna move the ball, and um, I think Providence probably has a pretty good run defense as I'm looking at these scores. So some, some air yards too. And we're going to see probably a big game from, from maybe Danny Collins and um, his friends on the receiving court. I'm not going to suggest that Loyola does not try or um, obviously will not try the next couple of weeks, but you mentioned that tryout. I mean, how important is it for coach Halasek and his team to figure out what they have maybe depth wise playing Providence this week and then playing St. Patrick next week where, 
Um, obviously, those are good teams. Those are both winning. Uh, St. Patrick has a winning record, and Providence is at three at three. So they're not bad teams by any stretch of the imagination. But when you're a team like Loyola, do you use these next two games to kind of figure out what you have in the running in a running game? what you can do defensively. I mean, do you kind of treat it where you kind of learn a little bit about yourself before you play a tough Mount Carmel team and um, enter the postseason here? Yeah, and for the postseason. And you do it in spots. I mean, you're not doing it in a vacuum where you're just like throwing guys out there and saying, see what you can do. It's you're putting those guys in the best spots for them, for that type of player to succeed, um, you know, whether it's behind, you know, the plays that they like or the, you know, for the running backs, you're, you're putting them on, um, opening the holes that they like to run through, things like that. Um, you're going you're gonna to put them in the spots. And on the defensive end, they've seen pretty well put together already. But um, same thing, you're, you know, if you're, if you're seeing what you got depth-wise, you're making sure they're in spots where you're going to succeed, uh, best chances to succeed. So I think these are good games to do it um, in the right spots and just make sure you're, you're, you're all buttoned up for the postseason and, and Mount Carmel and the postseason because your postseason starts there because that'll be for – the league title. All right. All right. Let's get some predictions out of you, Joe. What happens between Nutrier and GBS on Friday night? Man, I've been, I've been mulling this one. I, I don't know. Um, just because going back to our 22nd century media days, even back before you were there, you know, GBS Nutrier, we always had a lot of fun with it in the newsroom um, with my guy, Alex Maester. Uh, so I like to, I like to bet against them. Uh, as much as possible, just fun. But I, I like the team they're putting out there this year. And, and I, I really, maybe it's because I didn't get a chance to see Nutria this week and that new look defense, but I don't, I don't trust the defense. They, they burned me too many times. Um, so I'm going to say uh, GBS gets the better of them by a score um, and just kind of runs out the clock is able to do what Barrington did almost a very similar game. And, um, similar score. So I'll say something like 28 to 24. Yeah, I, th I think uh, this, these are not the last few GBS teams that I covered, but um, GBS is looking much stronger this year. It seems like Coach Schoenwetter has figured out um, what he wants to do offensively and obviously has the players to do it. So I think the Titans win 32 to 14. I think that uh, new chair offense puts up a couple of points, but I think the defense is still um, still trying to figure out too much where um, the Titans are able to run that up and kind of control the game from an early standpoint. All right, Saturday afternoon, Loyola hosts Providence. What do you see happening there? Um, yeah, I see a, a methodical victory for, you know, thought out, well-planned, wire-to-wire um, victory from, from, from our boys the Ram in the Ramblers. Um, um, probably something like, let's say, I'm going to, I'm going to say a pretty clean 30, 38 to seven victory. All right. I think I'll go 35 to 10. I think the defense will give up 10 points there, but, um, watch both of us. I feel like we were worried about Marist in the other games. And then this game is probably going to be, I feel like the games that we don't worry about are the yeah. tight games. Like the Fenwick game was like a tight game when we were like, oh, they'll take care of Fenwick. And then like the Marist game was the opposite. So watch Providence either win or be able to keep it close against the Ramblers on Saturday based on our predictions here. Yeah, probably Southside pride though. I hope they do. I hope it's a good one. <laughs>
But that's everything we've got for this week's episode of the podcast. Thanks as always for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Spread the word as well when you're at these games and make sure you are following us and listening to older episodes as well. We've got great content there every single week. So for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week and we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.